Hey, it's your host, Charlotte Chipperfield, and welcome to the Holistic Marketing Podcast, the show that inspires you to think holistically about yourself, your business, and your marketing to ignite the impact you desire to have on the world. We'll learn what it takes to be seen and heard in the digital space from leading experts and myself as a marketing executive and the former founder of Chipperfield Media. Get ready to own your marketing by exploring the intersection of purpose and proactive marketing to move your business forward. Welcome to the Holistic Marketing Podcast. Today, Amy Germain joins us. Amy is the Executive Director of the Accelerate Fund, and we are going to discuss the current climate surrounding female founders. Accelerate is a Portland-based organization aimed to support those who identify as women obtain more economic power through a combination of business education, peer support, and a pathway to financing. I've had the pleasure of being both a member and a coach for Accelerate and have found so much value in the resources and the community. I know we're going to dig into it throughout this conversation, but I really believe this period of time is a very pivotal time for female entrepreneurs, and that's why I am thrilled to be talking with Amy. So welcome. Thanks, Charlotte. It's so nice to be here. I've um, I've been able to work with you in so many different ways, and this is really fun to be able to be a guest on your podcast. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you are such a wonderful woman and leader in this world that we all need to know. So it's an honor to have you here. You're sweet. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, I'd love for you to maybe kind of dive in and tell everyone a little about yourself and your background and kind of what led you to become the executive director of Accelerate. Yeah. Um, uh, pull up a chair. Do you have all night? Uh, yes. It's a long Four glass story. of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I am mean, originally from Atlanta, Georgia, um, which is kind of an interesting, my, my family are, um, were Californians. And, and so I, I was kind of like this boulder out in the middle of a desert um, in, in Georgia. Uh, but I spent most of my life in Europe, um, actually. Um, since about the age of nine, um, I traveled there with family quite often. Um, so, I, I mean, I consider myself a citizen of the world. When people ask me where I'm from, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm definitely have the southerner in me, but my my heart's in, in the Pacific Northwest and, and I'm a citizen of the world. Um, and so I, I, I like to own the world as my space. But um, professionally, uh, I'm kind of an economic development nerd. Um, I have... A, more education than I can recall paying for, um, and um, have spent the last 10 years working for um, the United Nations, the United Nations and other international NGOs um, in this space of um, economic development, particularly for vulnerable populations. Um, women are always in that category. So I'm always called um, to, do, to do work uh, with women. Um, Funny enough, I'm a retired chef. Um, I used to actually work in the restaurant business where women have been marginalized since the dawn of time. Um, And so I just have a lot of lived experience working in spaces um, economically where women um, generally aren't welcome or um, just the the infrastructure hasn't been built for them. And so I'm really passionate about it. Um, And I've I've lived all over the world um, working for organizations. Doing, doing this kind of work that I'm doing now, building the capacity of marginalized populations to participate in, in the formal economy so they too can, can um, experience the benefits. 
So that's that's a little bit of, about me. I have a, a really interesting um, kind of red thread throughout my life um, and just kind of um, different careers and following my instincts and, again, being a citizen of the world. I love that. I always say I'm the citizen of the world, too. Right? <laughs> I feel like... I think yes. you and I also share a love for anthropology and consider ourselves anthropologists to some degree, which I think is um, why we, we find each other fascinating as well. Yeah, I think there's so much to learn, just like culture and food, like you said, too. I mean, I used to work in the restaurant industry as well. And so it's just, yes, talk about marginalized place where women are not welcome. That is for sure. Um, same with the wine industry that I spent a lot of time in. So, yes, I mean, I think the work that you do is so powerful and so important and needed, especially right now. So I'd love to kind of discuss a little bit more about Accelerate and its mission and kind of if you want to expand more on, on the programming and how you are working to kind of build the capacity for marginalized individuals. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for highlighting, you know, Accelerate. I think it's an important organization. It was originally founded in 2017. It's a nonprofit founded originally as a loan fund um, to create alternative um methods of, of funding, you know, kind of early stage or startup businesses um, and to solve the problem. Women weren't getting, you know, aren't getting funding. Capital is hard to find. And where uh, where there is capital, women uh, tend to not be able to access the larger percentage of it. Um, and so uh, it's the Accelerate's evolved. It's um, It's been a loan fund. It's uh, been an accelerator. It's um, all of those things to some degree now, but it's just a bigger hub of support. Um, we provide business support, support like supportive services, like education um, and peer mentorship so that women um, have a place to go that want to grow their businesses um, with resources that kind of uh, are safe for them and, and, and solve problems for the way that they want to build businesses. Um, there's there's few women centered spaces. I think it's um, thank you for bringing it up in the beginning. I think it's important to also say that we serve any kind of woman, any kind of person that identifies with the the normative gender woman, um, and and we acknowledge that there's a, a there's a fluidity there and there's a shift there. Um, but really, anybody that identifies with what it's like to be a woman in this country. Um, know that um, spaces aren't necessarily built for us. Accelerate was built by women entrepreneurs for women entrepreneurs um, because because we believe in a, in a world where women should have equal access to things like economic freedom and the ability to build generational wealth via entrepreneurship. Um, and so we are the people that we serve. We're all entrepreneurs. The founding members were entrepreneurs. Um, and so Accelerate really does um, offer all the things that, that women um, might need as they grow their businesses. I think that's an important distinction. We are growth oriented, so we don't really work at the foundations level. There's so many amazing partners in this ecosystem that do business foundations work, you know, helping you get started, helping you build your business plan, um, helping you get your ideas um, formulated. We're, we're really trying to move women into growth and profitability and sustainability, whatever that looks like, whether it's a SaaS, a software as a service product, or 
you know, you want to open your second um, location of your doggy daycare or your salon or um, or you have a product that's gaining traction and you want to you want to put it on the shelves of market of choice, for instance. Um, so we're really designed to, to help you grow. Um, and that's really the bulk of what we do. We've become kind of a hub of resources, um, a safe space. Um, and we have all kinds of different services that really meet you where you're at. So you can be in peer mentorship if you want to be in community with other women, or you can take one-on-one coaching. We have a lot of coaches that we vet and are, we, we know are safe spaces to learn and get guidance um, from people that are actual experts in those areas. And, and you can take on that as well, or you can just um, take on workshops and the education piece um, as things arise that make sense to you. So it, it really is designed to be um, meet you where you're at and, and you take what you need when you need it. Um, and, and this meets women. I mean, the system's not really designed, Charlotte, for women's participation. We know that the normative values that represent this gender construct female um, to this day are super problematic for our independence and our invest and our advancement. You know, it's it's hard for us to to move forward um, in an environment where we oftentimes have to stay at home or we're the caretakers or, um, you know, we're the elder um, caretakers or we have to teach, we have to do the teaching. So, um, in short, that's kind of accelerates is currently invested in women, um, from Oregon, but we're looking to expand into Washington and Northern California because there's a, a need in those spaces as well. Yeah. It's so wonderful. There's so many layers to accelerate that are so helpful. And I love that you made the distinction around being very supportive along the growth journey, because I think that's, piece. And I remember feeling this way too. It's like a little naive when you start a business. I think there's so much build up to this idea and this commitment to starting a business. And then, you know, in hindsight for me, at least like the starting was hard, but that was not the hardest part. The growth part was actually the most challenging part. And so I think that's maybe I'm unique in that sense, but I do feel like I've talked to other entrepreneurs where that growth piece can all of a sudden feel extremely daunting and overwhelming and having that peer support, like you said, in a very safe environment, I think is really, really critical for female entrepreneurs to continue to grow their businesses, but grow that financial um, freedom as well. Well, and it's a different skill set. Well, you're extraordinarily unique, Charlotte. Um, Definitely the experience of growing is a different skill set that we're not expected to know or um, that is taught, even the M- business MBAs don't teach you necessarily how to grow a business. Um, and so I, what we see a lot is, is, is people get stuck and, and being an entrepreneur, you, you'd be kind of a renaissance person, right? You have to know all the things and it's impossible to be that person. And so we're kind of that landing space that goes, okay, well, what's next? Let's do it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's so important, especially if you're a solo founder and maybe don't have employees yet. Like it's that critical space where you definitely need that support. And uh, I know Accelerate definitely helped me in that way too. So that's, it's so wonderful for people to be able to find that kind of safe space. Um, But then also I love to hear that you guys are expanding too, because I think that's invaluable resource for people in the region. I appreciate that. I think that it's invaluable across the country too, as we explore, um, after the pandemic, um, when we see how much of an impact it's had on women, 
we explore how we can um, do better to, to keep women moving forward. Yes, absolutely. See a national organization in the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love for us to talk about kind of the implications of COVID surrounding the world of female entrepreneurs. There's been a lot of articles in the news around a lot of women just leaving the workforce in general to be at home because they need to take care of the children, the household, and that kind of tends to default to the women in our culture. And so I don't know if you have insights on that specifically, but also then how that's translated over into female entrepreneurs, because they also, you know, are trying to balance families, um, the aging parents, children, running a business, supporting their employees. So what have you been seeing as far as numbers um, or impact of businesses, maybe locally and, you know, part of that national conversation, there are trends or insights there that you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, this is such a fast, I mean, this is what's really fascinating to me is the cultural shift, the, again, that kind of anthropological um, POV that we're kind of watching unfold in, in real time. Um, but it's, 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 it's dire, kind of. Um, 2018-19 was really strong. I mean, if you look at all the reports, um, American Express had a, a, a good report that came out on the state of women in business. Um, women were really no longer the minority in participation. Um, and um, now, and, and it was really booming, especially when you looked at um, the rate of women of color opening um, businesses and women of color in ownership. Um, and I, I think a lot of people don't talk enough about um, really who is owning um, and so much of that is in the hands of the communities of color. Um, but COVID really has wiped out a decade, at least, of forward movement for women. Um, all the gains that we realized, you know, in the last decade feel gone very quickly in the, in, in the, in the very short one year. Um, the pandemic, I think, Charlotte revealed that um, the amount and the level at which women... Um, are responsible for trillions of dollars in unpaid labor in the form of childcare, education, elder care, community support. I mean, women do a lot of that work and it's unpaid. Um, and now they're exhausted and they're leaving their jobs. And I think it's, um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm worried. I know that um, our ecosystem is worried. Um, here's a good statistic. The last, this time last year, the, um, the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics reported that 1.1 million folks lost their jobs and 80 percent of those were women. Um, it's just a it's a mind boggling statistic. Um, and they're still leaving the they're actively leaving the job force currently um, from exhaustion, caregiving responsibilities at home, um, jeopardize their ability to stay in the workforce, which then exacerbates the inequities that we we have um, last decade, this decade, and into the future. So it's it's a bit grim and it's a bit concerning. And even at Accelerate, we're watching women um, either leave their businesses, leave their workforce. Um, the whole school picture is not so clear for women right now, especially those that have young children in the system. And so um, I, I think the numbers, we can't ignore that women have been disproportionately affected by the pandemic. 
Um, and we, we can't ignore any longer the inequities and in things like equal pay and, um, and family leave and all the um, things that, that women do unseen, unheard, unpaid. Um, because at this point, I, I, I worry about our mental health. And, and this is something that Accelerate is tackling. Um, we've just stood up mental health supportive services. We're, I think, one of the first business development organizations to even bring mental health into the picture because we're seeing so many women struggle with their mental health um, and it's stymieing their business growth. Um, so this is, uh, I'm, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. I think it's important to also be honest and vulnerable and, and upfront about um, some of the concerns. While there are many wins and many success stories to tell amid this, I think that some picture isn't as optimistic. And I think it's important to have these conversations, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are some startling statistics too. And just even, yeah, 80% of that was at 1.1 million um, people left work or lost their job. 80% of them were women. And that's just a startling number. And it kind of makes me take a step back and ask some of those questions around, yeah, equal pay, family leave. And I guess in a larger cultural question, it's like, why does this still fall so heavily to women and men get to continue? And then again, I think that just contributes more into these environments that aren't safe necessarily for women to build businesses. And so we're kind of stuck in the same cycle and we're not breaking those patterns, which makes me incredibly sad and upset and frustrated, all of the feelings. Um, but yeah, I guess from like a entrepreneur standpoint, I mean, I am one of the women who decided to close my business and take on a full-time job during this time. And I'm curious if you've been seeing a fairly high rate of that as well, or women putting their businesses on hold. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I could quantify it, but um, I will say you can generalize right now. Um, and we're seeing a pattern. And um, and and this pattern is um, either just becoming so utterly overwhelmed that you can't even show up in your business. Um, and so you're almost forced to close the doors or just stop doing it. You know, if you're in professional services, for instance, you just stop taking clients. Um, but yeah, and women are walking away. Um, they're overwhelmed. Um, some are returning to the corporate workforce because their business isn't able to provide them with the the income that they need. And they have children. We, we serve quite a bit of single mothers who don't have the luxury of, of double incomes. Um, and so when that happens, you have to go back to the place you fled um, in the better days uh, to, to try and, and find some stability, um, health benefits. Um, maybe your corporate career had some daycare, um, you know, it's uh, whatever you can to survive right now. Or maybe you're deciding to take unemployment and um, take care of your parents who are very sick and your children that are at home. I mean, just think about that picture, Charlotte, if you have a handful of school-age kids, very common, um, you parents are aging and they're sick and you can't trust them in a home or another place because they maybe are extra vulnerable. I mean, imagine who's, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from men because oftentimes we do see men in caretaker responsibilities. But in, in, in overall, um, the, 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 the woman is the human that has to carry the burden of that 
um, that kind of socioeconomic situation. Right. And I, I mean, it freaks me out every time I, I see women back off of their businesses because I know that their family lives are so overwhelming. And this really can be seen, it's amplified in, in communities of color um, where women are often the centers of community that are often juggling untold amounts of responsibilities um, and are in the caretaking role, um, whether it's a cult, part of their culture um, or a part of their upbringing. And so, I mean, I just think if you if you really swing out and take a look at it from that perspective um, and it doesn't freak you out just a little bit, um, then you're not paying attention. Right. Absolutely. I mean, do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree with that. And I think there is sometimes like those sweeping generalizations and not taking into the context of what a person's journey is or culture is, like you said. And I think those pieces have to be taken into consideration as well. And I think you talked a little bit about this sentiment of being overwhelmed. And I mean, everything you listed about being a caregiver, if it's multiple generations or just one generation. I mean, it's a lot and it's very overwhelming in general, but then you put that overwhelm underneath the overwhelmingness of a pandemic. And I think it just amplifies it. I mean, everyone is feeling that, but I mean, that is just another piece of it. And when you were saying providing mental health pieces, I think is really important. Um, You know, I think I had been thinking prior to the pandemic about potentially closing my business or shifting it or, doing something, but I wasn't sure what it was, but I do remember when the pandemic hit and I, my clients, like everyone went into a state of panic. And so I, as a service provider doing marketing, it really did was a heavy lift to try and help support the pivot, the change, the twists and the turns. And for me, I mean, that was incredibly overwhelming. And I think that was the last piece of like, I can't keep doing this for multiple businesses while also sustaining my own business and my own sanity. And so that was the piece for me that really was like, okay, I think it's time to maybe have one job at one company versus feeling like I have multiple uh, jobs with different clients. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you are supporting female entrepreneurs with the, the mental health resources. I mean, this is just was a no brainer we were, I think we were together, Charlotte and peer group when the pandemic hit. And, um, I just recall, you know, the women in our group were, were really like, how am I going to manage this? And I think uh, now that I look back a year and a half later, I think that hasn't changed. It's compounded. Mm -hmm. So any previous trauma that had been unaddressed because we usually have been running, this is not a new thing for us. We've been running households and running our extra jobs and running, you know, making sure that that we're the that, that our families are taken care of for a long time. And we'd maybe found an equilibrium of being able to manage it. At some point, those scales were going to tip, but the pandemic really just pulled the curtain back. And I think uh, what I know, you know, about my own journey with complex things like complex PTSD and and um, trauma-based work working um, overseas in, in like fragile contexts. Um, humans are really resilient, but they when you pile on the trauma, um, especially in, in the Western world, it can really have an effect on generations um, of, of folks and their mental health. 
And I think nowhere in Portland can we see it more with the rise. It, it's, it's a multiplier effect, right? It reverberates throughout our communities. Here in Portland, you see um, an increase in, in houselessness and mental health issues. Um, and there's less resources to provide services. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you know that there's currently like four, five, six month wait lists for mental health therapists in this, in this state. Um, nobody can keep up with the demand and, um, and there's a, a, there's a huge need. And so for us, it was really clear that, um, we needed to find, um, a mental health provider that was a woman that was an entrepreneur. Um, and that was also a woman of color that had that cultural competency lens to be able to, to just talk to women and be a peer support mentor um, when they need it while they're waiting for other resources to arrive. And so it's, well, it's a, a stopgap. It's not perfect. Um, it's something. And um, we're, you know, we're trying to fund it. We're trying to fund more and more of it because even in the first, we stood it up two weeks ago in the first two weeks, we've had an unprecedented demand for it because Charlotte, I mean, you get to a point where you, you're now what you're doing at home is what you're doing in your business. You have staff that you're worried about. You're stressed about their well-being. What if you can't pay their paycheck or, um, you know, your expenses are overriding your revenues? Um, the, the governor's um, orders to close the state down created chaos um, for people that had cash flow projections and needed to manage their cash flow. And so add all that trauma on top of already the trauma that women experience every day by just being the, the normative um, kind of values that we put, that we possess by rote of being women in this society. And it is too much. It's too much. How can one human, how can one human sustain? I don't know. And I, I think the business on top of, of just being a woman just exacerbates everything. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think, I mean, I, applaud you and thank you for providing those services. I mean, having to wait four to five months right now for that support is, I mean, kind of unimaginable in a way. It's like that should always be available and accessible for everyone. Yeah. Thank you. It is. It's it's inhumane. And if we care about it, um, which I know we all do, um, you know, and this is where we can rally women to, to um, get behind advocating for more resources from the state. And I know that's just one more thing to ask, but um, even you highlighting it, Charlotte, is important to, to uh, an important um, move in the right direction to continue to have the conversation. So thank you. Yeah, for absolutely. To light and highlighting how important um, supporting women and women's mental health right now is um, and being a part of the solution is all on us at this point. Right. I mean, I think that support should always be there, but especially right now, because it is such a trying time. And um, I guess anyone listening to know that you're not alone, which sometimes isn't always the most comforting thing to hear, but it's almost like this is part of the process in a way. It's part of the state of the world we're in and continuing to find the communities, you know, like Accelerate to help you kind of keep that in, in mind that, you know, there are other people experiencing something similar to you and that you can lean on them. I think that's the most important thing. Well, and can I just say, Charlotte, really quick, if you are having, if anybody listening is having a mental health crisis, please text 4741741 um, if you need support. Um, if you're an entrepreneur and you need support, you can reach out to Accelerate. Um, 
but really 741741 if you are having a mental health crisis, um, because um, Charlotte, life matters in this scenario, and we all have to um, be willing to admit that maybe um, it's too much to bear. So um, I just wanted to give a shout out to, to anybody going through that. There is support. Yes, thank you for providing that. Yeah, well, I'd love to kind of talk a little about, kind of dig into women and how we approach business a little bit. Um, we did talk about, you know, creating a safe space for women. And I kind of want to talk about why that's needed. You know, I think men and women ultimately approach business differently. And so I'm curious if you have kind of perspective on how men approach building businesses differently than women, or maybe that's not what separates <laughs> the need for that a safe environment for women to gather to grow their businesses. But any thoughts there? Yeah, excellent segue, given the heaviness of our um, last, not easy to move off of mental health, but much more fun to talk about the differences of women and men. Um, it's um, like, what's the age old, like women are from Mars, women are from Mars, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Right. Um, it's like pitting the genders against each other um, from the early 70s. You know, um, we definitely don't stand in service of that. Men are allies. We have many men that contribute to our organization. Um, <clears throat> there's certain spaces that we keep safe for, for women and, and women identifying individuals only. Um, but women really do kind of show up differently in the world of business. And I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's kind of shitty to generalize all the time, but there is a, a kind of a quantifiable pattern when we're, when we're looking at how women approach business, um, and, and how men do, um, statistics actually show that women will run more productive and profitable companies. We see the statistic pulled out when anybody ever quotes like um, the venture capital percentage uh, uh, that goes to women versus men. And um, if, uh, if your readers don't or your listeners don't know, 2.2% um, in 2019 of venture capital went to women. Um, that's just a striking statistic. Um, <clears throat> when in fact, we, we have evidence that shows that women do oftentimes run more productive, more profitable businesses. Um, but I, I think that we, we do things a little different and that we tend towards building solutions for our communities. Women often register for B Corp corporations, um, have more community-based perspectives, are often concerned with like kind of the healthier, better world. Um, I don't know, the triple bottom line is often more interesting to them. Um, and you often find them, um, seeking more holistic ways to grow versus kind of these high velocity hockey stick growth that's kind of common in the Silicon Valley narrative, the startup narrative. Um, our founding um, members are also the founding uh, members of Zebras Unite. And we you'll find ourselves talking about zebras versus unicorns in this space all the time. And women often um, relate more to the zebra journey than the unicorn journey. Um, valuing community more and, and, and exiting into community. These are all concepts um, from um, Zebras Unite. Um, and we know that. We have evidence. We've seen it for years and years and years. We've been watching this activity. Um, but interestingly enough, Charlotte, women, you know, this often show up as their whole selves. They're less, much less likely to compartmentalize business from personal 
Um, they often brand themselves within their businesses. I think you know that. Um, they often integrate their, their businesses are part of their lives, their solutions that are born from their lives. Um, and so we have that. I think that's a very different approach than the male, the, the classic male entrepreneur. Um, and I, I think this is really laid bare in areas like sales, for instance. Um, in general, women don't, uh, don't like to cold call, for instance, or they don't appreciate the hard pitch. Um, they're not kind of chest out kind of salespeople. We've seen women really, um, they feel like it's schmarmy and they don't really want to engage if, if that's the curriculum that they have to show up into. Instead, we've actually built um, sales courses that meet women where they're at so they can feel more confident to sell. Um, and, and that means changing the classic sales curriculum into something that um, that shows women that they can show up with their whole selves. And that's things like nurturing relationships instead of cold calling, community building, um, supporting needs. You know, what are my buyer's needs and, and how do I relate to them? And, and how do I and women are just great at that. They're nurturers by by their own um, nature. And so um, I think it is important to acknowledge that we definitely show up in business a little bit differently. And that means we educate differently. Um, we tr like accelerate really tries to develop materials that feel like they resonate with women rather than kind of these classic systemic um, portraits of, of what an entrepreneur is. And, and frankly, and I think you and I've talked about this, if, if, we're not role modeling that if, if women can't see it in the environment, if, if the classic entrepreneur is always a picture of a tall man in a suit, a tall white man in a suit, for instance, um, then, then how are they going to feel like that's something for them? And, and really, if we don't at least talk a little bit about how women are different and why we show up different in business, then um, role modeling that, that women can participate in a way that makes sense for them um, will no longer be important. And I don't, I just don't agree with that. I'm curious to hear what you think, uh, Charlotte, because I, I think this is an interesting, um, I, I, this is where I don't want to pit men against women, but I also think that there's a, just a different value and the current structure, the infrastructure doesn't value um, where, how we show up really in this world. Yes, I, I think you just hit the nail on the head there. And that's why I wanted to ask this question, because I know along my entrepreneur journey, there were times that I questioned like the nurturing community minded approach that just felt very, I mean, that is who I am, a big part of who I am. But when you, it almost feels like sometimes in business, there isn't room for that or like the traditional model, especially the white male model has, you see example after example of that you know, they don't integrate the community or they're only thinking about the bottom line and it feels very ruthless. And so like you were talking about the unicorns who get funded, the startups who hockey stick growth, they get, you know, double digits, a million dollars of investment. I mean, that narrative still leads a lot of the media. It gets so much attention. And I think it's getting a little bit of backlash now in the sense of like when there's new large amounts funded to companies. I mean, if you read the comment section now, no one's celebrating it. 
which not to, you know, take away from their success, but it's also like, did they really need $33 million to do that? And are there not, you know, black women or other minorities also working on something and you couldn't have invested in all of the companies? So it's just, you do see it very disproportioned, especially portrayed in the media. Um, And I think that just continues to reward this, um, you know, like you said, chest out sales and like this aggressiveness that maybe it does work for some people, but I think the mass majority, and I would even say there's a lot of men in that category, for men and women, we are thinking more around, you know, how are we having a positive impact in the world and our employees and our customers versus it just being about selling more widgets to make more money. Oh, I mean, this is so, we see this, right? When we advocate for women, we we say we advocate for the earth as well. Like we advocate for our communities and, and I, none of that narrative even serves men to be frank. And I, um, you know, I, I urge us to move away from that kind of um, the visual or the glamor of the, the male entrepreneur um, in the startup world, um, you know, trying to, to garner the next big billion dollar investor um, for another widget, Um and, and unfortunately, that's where the money is. And so investors will be there. That's where the return on investment is. That's where um, people will will always want um, to, to look for that kind of the, the next big thing, the next thing that's going to pull in the dollars. And um, and while women want that, um, I, I don't think we're willing to compromise our values for it. And that might be where the difference is or has been traditionally. Um, and so to your point, I think that it doesn't help when the media glamorizes entrepreneurship or, um, makes it feel like it's this, you know, toxic male world of, um, I don't know, late nights and 20 hour days and, um, you know, much the way that they portray wall street. Um, it doesn't serve any of us to be honest, um, least of all women, least of all women of color. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You talked about the glamorizing of entrepreneurship. And I think, you know, I've also been watching this show up in other ways on social media throughout the pandemic. I mean, it's always been there, but there's also been this glamorization of like, you should quit your corporate job and you'll make more money in a month than, you know, your nine to five previously. And I cringe every time I see something like that come across my timeline, because if only it were that simple. Um, but on the other hand, it's definitely doable. I mean, if you have the right idea and you've got the support and the resources, I mean, you can have a very successful business. And so I know we've talked a little bit about some of the less, um, glamorous side of being an entrepreneur, but I'm curious if you have kind of seen any examples of like the eye-opening moments that you see a lot of female entrepreneurs experience as they start a business and maybe there's any advice for not uh, falling into any specific pitholes or just really thinking through making that decision if you are going to leave your job and start a business. Yeah, I mean, this is such an excellent question and it's on the top of our minds, those of us especially that lead in the ecosystem because you know the talk of the great resignation and and um, people are hypothesizing that everyone will flee to entrepreneurship, especially women, um, is concerning. 
um, we, we, you know, I caution folks with glamorizing entrepreneurship um, and in these in these ways, um, because while we want folks to flee to entrepreneurship as a solution for, um, you know, what the cor- corporate workplace can't provide um, as a as a way to to build their own financial independence, um, I don't I don't want to glamorize it because Charlotte, you know, it's hard. Like it's 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 hard. We we see a lot of people come with great ideas and aspirations to flee their nine to five, and um, some eke out a living, some some don't. Um, you know, these days the the marketplace is thick with startups and and ideas and and small businesses, and um, we see women work uh, really hard um, that they they can't pay themselves, um, or they work for little to nothing. Um, we see people struggle with sales because they can't establish any traction. Um, they, they didn't do any of the footwork, um, they didn't understand the marketplace, um, and where they would fit with their idea. We see people that can't capitalize at the six month mark, you know, cause you go out and you blow your savings and you think, oh, if I just get it started, it'll be okay. Um, and, and that's just not really how it works. It's a really heavy lift to build a business. Um, and, and women, especially they, they get tricked into believing that they can do it. And then when the weight of their family responsibilities and stress of, of not being able to, to get any traction overwhelmed, they have to return to the corporate workforce. Um, and I, I don't want to be discouraging um, because my mission is to see women leverage entrepreneurship to exit the corporate system. Um, to, to build wealth, wealth for themselves. I really believe that um, entrepreneurship is a medium for economic freedom. Um, but I, I do want women to be more prepared, more realistic, um, more ready. Um, use the tools in the ecosystem, use the resources that are available from the nonprofit sector um, and the cities and the municipalities. Um, but be prepared to bust your butt. It's, um, it's really hard work, um, but it's so rewarding in the end if you can take your time. Don't skip the building blocks. I think too often people think, well, I don't need a brand or I don't need a website. Um, and I would argue these days you, you might, um, depending on, on how you want to grow, but um, have a plan in place to ensure you have income in the early, in the early days. Um, have a plan for capital infusion at six months, one year, three years. Um, be ready to invest in yourself because if you don't have skin in the game, um, it's hard to get others interested or invested. Um, and then I would finally say, be sure you know your concept um, or your idea or your product or your service is something that the world needs. Because if you're not solving a problem or filling a need in the marketplace, you are always going to struggle. Um, I, I see women come with candle sh- candle shops and knickknack shops and they're great um but they if you want to grow them it's really hard to grow them um and so i don't mean to slight candle makers because they're amazing creatives and and we need them um but you know what i'm saying like i I know you can you you might be able to resonate on your own personal journey but but i think a lot of people come to it thinking oh if i just stand up a business it'll it'll happen 
And I always tell women in our communities, like business isn't something that happens to you. Like you have to activate it. It takes a lot of planning and a lot of work and a lot of resources, um, especially if you want to build something that can sustain your livelihood, your family's livelihood and the livelihood of others in your community. Absolutely. And thank you for giving such a real answer to that. I think that's so important to do your due diligence around, you know, your market fit and really understand who your customers are going to be. You know, I think there is that saying that build it and they will come. And I really feel like that does not apply in entrepreneurship and business. You really do, like you said, you have to activate it and you have to fit a need. And yes, I'm the same way. I love jewelry makers, love candle makers. Um, And I think there's also that other saying about like, you know, you're passionate about something, you'll never work a day in your life. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that either. (laughs) I like the sentiment. um, And yes, I mean, I'm passionate about so many things, but could I make a living off of all of those? Probably not. Um, And so, yes, being very real about, you know, how much runway you have financially as you're starting a business, but I think really getting clear on that, that market fit. And absolutely, I will say the brand is very important, <laughs> if not the most important. It really is. If you don't have a story to tell and your message doesn't resonate with folks, it's really hard to shine. And it's those cliches are, maybe they were interesting in the 50s when entrepreneurship was a little bit more, the internet's really changed everything. And so anything scalable, anybody can put anything to sell on the internet. And so you're really competing in this worldwide marketplace. Um, and now you're competing with Amazon and Alibaba and, and that's hard. Like that's really hard. And so you have to, and women usually solve a great problem. And so you, you do have to figure out um, if, if you, you can get in, if you're like, I can't sell you know, that's not me, then partner with somebody that can. I mean, so those are, those are just, there are ways to solve for um, what the marketplace doesn't have or what you have. Um, but just putting thought into it, and I think being intentional is um, really important. And the resources do exist. Like people often would say entrepreneurs are under resourced. And I think if anything, the pandemic's really brought a lot of resources for women in communities of color. Um, not, I wouldn't say in a sufficient way, but enough um, to, to at least get you in the seat um, of a place that can help you get started or can help you um, if you're trying to grow and you're a bit stuck. I mean, for us, the the growth game requires honesty. Like it's a lot more, it's easier to be honest when somebody's just forming and you can be hopeful and say, get in there, you got this. Um, but I find that being frank in this space and being realistic and honest is more helpful than harmful. Like we don't want to harm people. We don't want to make you believe that you can, um, uh, grow this, uh, these, these growth level businesses, um, without hard work or ambition or, or sometimes even dollars. Um, so I, I think it's important to just be honest, but to also, um, really be realistic about what, what you, what you want to bring to bear. In the marketplace. Yeah. And I love that you were kind of, I think you kind of touched on this a little bit, but thinking also about like your mindset, I think that was the piece mm. that took me off guard as an entrepreneur is I thought I was going to do business. I know marketing. I am okay tackling the finances. I can learn that. I can get resources for sales and develop those skills. But what kind of like swept the rug from underneath my feet was realizing that 
like throughout the time of having my business, I feel like I got a PhD in, in, yeah, I guess I was going to say mental awareness, but that's not the word I'm going for. Um, But really, Uh, you know, we sell self-efficacy, you know, that we, we, Mm -hmm. you, you, you know, you're, you know, you know, you're more capable in many ways than you did before. Right. But yeah, I mean, there's so many things that come up around, like, how do you handle fear and imposter syndrome? And Mm -hmm. there's those pieces too, that I think, you know, I had a coach at one point who said that you could only grow yourself or you could only grow your business as much as you grow yourself. And I feel like that is so incredibly true. So there's also the work on your business, but there's also the work on yourself. And when those two things can come together, I think it's beautiful. And I think that's ultimately where success lies. I really appreciate you pointing that out because um, at Accelerate that we do a lot of work in that space because if we don't, we would be ignoring like half the journey for women. Um, just getting your mind wrapped around what can I grow? Am I capable of doing it? Um, you know, entrepreneurship is a vast world of knowledge that you have to gain over time. And oftentimes the lived experience is what teaches you. And so we advocate for women to jump both feet, feet in. But be ready. Be ready to question your norms. Be ready to check your biases. Be ready to start anew in your mindset and, and erase some things that you think you might have known about the world. Um, and be ready to learn. And, and I think that mindset piece is so critical. Believe in yourself um, as you go along. And that's not always easy, but that's why you have communities like ours so that you you can be lifted up by other women. But um we really believe that uh, a lot of this journey is in the mind. And um, if you haven't dealt with some of your own personal stuff, um, be warned that it will get in your way as you grow a business. It, it just inevitably does. Um, it, it, the, the layers peel back and, and as you grow, um, things get harder. And so um, it does lay bare your soul a bit, no? It does. Absolutely. But also in like a very beautiful way, if you can be open yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. I think it's a, I think it's important to say, but I also see that women grab it more like that too. And that's the world we live in because that's who we are. We, we show up in that for that whole, that whole thing. And I, I love that. I love that about us. Mm-hmm. Me too. And I've really, truly loved this conversation and could talk to you for hours. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I'd love for you to tell everyone uh, where they can connect with you further or learn more about Accelerate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, acceleratefund.com. We spelled that X-X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E, fund.com. Um, hello at uh, acceleratefund.com is our email um, and that's really the best way to connect in is just shoot an email and somebody will be in touch. Um, I'm on all the social media channels as well. So you can DM or reach out that way um, if that's easier for you. But yeah, we're um, we're 100% available. We, we are um, in service of entrepreneurs. So um, don't hesitate to, to reach out. And no question is is too dumb or too small. Wonderful. Thank you. And I will include all of that in the show notes as well. And so my closing question for you, Amy, is how does being intentional show up in your life or in your work? Well, I think we talked a lot about that today. Um, And it's an excellent uh, ending question. Um, I love this question. Um, 
I don't, I, you know, I don't think I could be effective in my job if I haven't endeavored on this journey of authenticity and, and intentionality in my own personal life, you know, and I've had a, a rich life with a lot of really interesting experiences and, um, you know, I, in business, I believe in authenticity, integrity, ethics, equity, um, things like that. And if, if um, one wants to be intentional and hold those, those kind of those core values, you have to be willing and prepared to, to pull down the system in effect. You know, I, one of the things <laughs> I joined the UN so I could pull down the system, you know, and I learned that you don't blow things up from the inside like that. Um, it's not how it works. So, I mean, it has to be done with care and intention, right? And those values are my personal, my life values I show up as a whole human in my life. I'm a woman um, who shows up with everything. I try my best. I'm authentic. I'm honest. Integrity means something to me. Um, and I want to steward myself in a careful way um, to not do any harm to humans or the earth. And so that for me is um, I, I travel. Um, I center humans in our work. Um, I live minimally. I let my work speak for itself. I don't watch the news. Um, I just show up. That's that's how I, that's how I do it. And it works for me, but, um, I just show up and be real and that's all I can do. So, and I'm glad you gave me a platform to show up in today and be real and be myself. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. You are such a beautiful soul and woman, Amy. So I really, truly appreciate you, um, in life and for being here today. Yeah. I appreciate everything you do and, and offering this awesome platform of support, but, um, also just being a human in the world, Charlotte, you've got so much to give. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Amy. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, please subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode is available. And if you really love this episode, please rate and review the podcast so that other conscious business leaders like yourself can join our community of listeners. If you'd like to connect with me further, you'll find me hanging out on LinkedIn at Charlotte Chipperfield. Come join me there or check out charlottechberfield.com for more resources and to learn more about holistic marketing.